0: morning-ish. I'm kind of tired. a so really, it's an okay morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. So, I read Positively Poisonous by Melissa Aaron Jackson. It's my first actual, like, cozy murder mystery thing, um, for those of you that don't know, I would assume cozy mystery, yeah, cozy mysteries doesn't really sound right, like mysteries aren't supposed to be nice and cozy, especially a cozy murder mystery, you know? <laughs> You're not supposed to be cozy with murder. But I think they coined that because the show, not the shows, there are shows about it, but the books are more on the lighter side of a murder mystery. Like they don't go all dark and thrillery. Um show-wise. Candace Cameron Bure does a lot of cozy murder mystery novel or book shows, although I think a few of them actually were books. I don't watch them that often, but I think a couple were books on um, Hallmark. I think it was. She has like her own series where she's a amateur detective. And then um Laughlin. Um she was Aunt Becky. Lori Laughlin. There we go. I think. I think it was Lori Loughlin. Anyway, so she also has, um, there was something about yard sales, garage sales, or she, like, owned an antique shop. She has, like, there's, like, this whole series of cozy murder mysteries that she does. They're just, they're lighter. I think they're more on the comedic side. Or maybe it's just because they are lighter, they come off come across as comedic and that's the type of book that I read. Um, Positively poisonous. It's cute. The whole uh, name change because instead of spelling it correctly it was spelled P-A-W. There's another thing with the uh, cozy Mis- murder mystery things i've noticed a lot of them involve cats like i have seen a couple with covers that involve puppies and they're usually like yellow labs or a chocolate lab or something but for the most part, anytime I see a cozy murder mystery cover, there is a cat. And the names of the books do something like Life Was Done Here with Positively Poisonous. It's cute. Visual pun does not add itself well to. Audio, but cool. It's cute. It works. Um, let's kind of jump in. Amber Blackwood is uh, she's a witch who owns a tea shop and. Is dabbling in making little um, plastic toys and she uses the magic in the plastic in the toys to you know make them look more alive like they'll actually get up run around and on command and the tea shop she doesn't do like your standard black tea ginseng green tea she uh, she has those but she also makes like, this tea, make a specific brew. This tea's good for sleeping. This tea gets rid of headaches. This tea does, you know, whatever ailment you have. And the tea is supposed to help. And she uses the magic in the teas. And her shop is called the Corky whisper <laughs> The Corky Whisker. That was another issue I had. Um the town of Edgehill where the story takes place Sorry the town of Edgehill is obsessed with cats to the point i am surprised the name of the town is Edgehill and not something cat related the street name were all different breeds of cats all the show all the uh, shops and locations all had some type of punny cat name which was cute you know the first couple of times or you know <laughs> you get to a point where the puns and jokes are too much and very quickly this book hit that mark and went like above and beyond. And it makes me wonder going back to the covers are all books in the Cozy Murder Mystery seri- uh, genre here, are they all that cat centric? Are they that overboard with? The jokes... I mean and I get it I get the use of it I understand it was cool you know I liked the name Per Collect for a uh, coffee shop but at some point the names of the other shops and the breed The street names, I don't, they just, they really started getting annoying. When I figured, well, when I first went into the whole genre and picked up this book, I figured more actual cats would be like involved. You know, it wouldn't be locations and like the whole town being named after cats I figured you know there was going to be a particularly like grumpy cat who's like hiding clues or something or you know the cat leads the main character to a clue to a dead body I figured the cats would be more involved new at least not with this story i'm it, this is my first forway, foray into the genre so i'm hoping other books are not quite like this one I, mean, I can take a good pun but this book overdid it and I'm kind of hoping any of the others that I've picked up are not like that. Okay, so off topic. Amber Blackwood. She's the only she's the only witch in town that she knows of. And one day her friend Melanie comes in She's she's been sick. Amber gives her, like, a tonic to get rid of her illness. Melanie goes home. Next thing Amber knows, Melanie's dead. And she's a suspect because Melanie was holding the vial of tea ingredient stuff that Melanie made to get rid of her illness. And the cop, of course, you know, the sheriff doesn't like Amber. Doesn't really have a reason. Just has not liked Amber. And so the mystery unfolds. Who killed Melanie? Amber is obviously a suspect because, you know, she was holding, Melanie was holding a vial of, uh, empty vial of the tea contents, and, but, so Amber's the sus- suspect number one, and the sheriff really liked her for the murder for about three quarters of the book for absolutely no reason. Well, I mean, he had it little he had evidence on her, but the animosity towards her was unwarranted that we saw. You know, it's she never did anything to harm him. She never did anything to piss him off. He just did not like her. The second suspect we find is a woman named Whitney. She was the wife of Melanie's secret boyfriend. And of course there were a couple of quick little like minor suspects but Amber and Whitney were, like, the two main suspects. I'll give you 50 bucks to guess which one it was. I there was a twist at the end. I'm not going to say how, but I did like the twist at the end when we figured out who the killer was you know but um there were hints and suspicions that were so heavy-handed it gave away who the murderer was like from the second that character was introduced I knew they were the ones that killed Melanie. It was so paint by numbers, almost. And a lot of the clues and evidence just kept piling up against this one suspect. You knew who it was. So that really wasn't much of a mystery at all, you know. There was no red hair There it is. There were no red herrings. Um, you could look at Amber or um, one of the other minor characters as red herrings, but Amber really doesn't count as a red herring because she's the main character. The main character like never does it. I don't know why that is but the main character just would not be the killer. I don't... aside from Dexter which is its own special case The main character is never the murderer. Why? I don't know. So Amber doesn't work as a red hair. Um The other minor suspects, well, hell, uh, I'm going to come out and say it, Whitney was the murderer. But there's a twist at the end that I'm not going to tell you about. So the other minor suspects, they were not involved enough to be a red herring they were not evolved enough to even give a second thought to it's like why there was no motive there was no possible motive or reasoning behind why they would be suspects so really there was only the one suspect and that was Whitney I think I would have liked more intrigue, more misleads, you know, don't go like hog wild with them, but give me more to be invested in, more, I'm not sure who did it, because I can see how or why this person would do it. And murder mysteries can be very comedic if that's and they can be very comedic and still have a lot of mystery to them. The movie, I don't remember when it came out but oh well, the movie Clue with uh, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Tim Curry, And just a full studded cast. They're wonderful. That's a comedy murder mystery based on the board game Clue. You have no idea who killed who. And the whole movie is them running back and forth trying to figure out who killed who and who was missing. (laughs) They were trying to figure out who killed who and every time they get to a, every time they got to a certain point, another dead body would show up and they'd have another new mystery. All mysteries don't have to follow something like that. But it had the. It kept you interested. It kept you trying to guess who was. Who killed who. This one, from the moment they said Whitney is the wife of Melanie's secret boyfriend, I was like, well, that's done. I could have closed the book and still done this little review because Whitney Whitney killed her so I did have a couple of issues uh, a couple of other issues there's been a couple mentioned now um, I'm all for Amber being a, uh, and this is part of a series. I probably should have said it's book one of the Witch of Edge Hill series. So I do understand that uh, Jackson is trying to enter elements that will be more important for later books in the series excuse me sorry but at the same time it's stated early in the early in the you know like in the first couple of pages um Amber Blackwood is the only known witch in Edge Hill. However, there is a family called Pen Hollows, And it's set up that the Blackwood family are good, the Pen Hollows are evil. Setting that up right there so early, I was a little off kilter. I figured, um, okay, somebody in the Pinhollow family used their magic to frame Amber, which I definitely think would have been a better option, but that's not how it worked. Anyway, so how is Amber the only witch in town if the Penhollows are rivals to the Blackwoods? But, and it never said, you know, you assume that the Penhallows are in Edge Hill. It's never said if they're in Edge Hill or the neighboring town. Or, you know, they could be across the country. But why else would they be rivals if they're not living in the same town? Why was it even necessary to know that there is a family called the Penhallows who are evil? I have a feeling the Pen Hollows have something to do with Amber's parents Um, because when Amber was a kid her house burnt down and her parents perished in the fire. So I do have a feeling the overarching story of the series if there is one is the Pen Hollows somehow some reason killed Amber's parents. So I get I I get that and again it's part of a series so it's trying to lay down groundwork for the rest of the series. But I think in book 1 it was enough to know that her parents died in a fire. There was nothing else in the book that screamed pin So there was no reason that they needed to be added in. I mean, even if they were added in as a red herring, that would have been a better choice. Nobody we met in the book was a pin Like right now, by this book, the pin could be a figment of Amber's imagination it still wouldn't matter anyway so Amber didn't use her powers that much um, she did use her powers once or twice to like distract people or get them to confess to a couple of things which I'm cool with I am all for using the witchy powers however I don't know why this bugged me so much but she was getting ready Amber was going to go somewhere and she so she was leaving the store and she was she wanted to flip her sign from open to closed be back in an hour or something uh, and she had to hold the sign check for her spell to work she actually had to hold the sign and then wave her hand and the sign would change saying be back in an hour. It would not You already have the sign in your hand. All you need is a piece of chalk. It takes a few seconds. Why? I. That would. To me. That is a misuse of magic. Or maybe just because I grew up with. Like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. You can't. You you can't. Well, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Charmed, the original series, you can't use your magic for personal gain. To me, flipping the sign, yeah, something small and minute wouldn't really be personal gain, but at the same time, it was a selfish, stupid, lazy reason for using the magic. Not needed, and yes, and be. I just, I guess, I am a picky person, at least when it comes to books. Because I didn't like that. Oh, and then I had a cringy moment. Um. There's. How do I put? There's a cliche that is popping up everywhere. Now, I've probably even used it once or twice in some of my old writing, but now that I have seen it so many times, I definitely do not see myself doing it again. Uh, where it, it's a. The main character. Has this moment where they can't believe what's happening. So they say something to the effect of, This can't be happening because this only happens in a movie or this only happens in books. This can't be my real life. And of course, the author. Op- the readers are supposed to sit and go, ha, ha, that's funny. It's not funny. I mean, the first couple of times, again, the first couple of times we've seen it, yes, but by now, it's just, no. No. I... I think it's like an attempt to break the fourth wall without breaking the fourth wall by having the character somewhat acknowledge that they're in a book excuse me, or a movie. I'm just I'm over it, and that cliche was followed up by. Um, it was followed up by another phrase, that irritated me as well. Uh, hang on. <laughs> wasn't even the phrase that she used. That I, it is a phrase that I love, that everyone has heard and knows because it's so, it is overused. People use it a lot. It comes from a song. trying to I'm trying to remember exactly what she had said okay the phrase that she actually used was I heard it from the grapevine I could be totally wrong and this form is more used then I heard it through the grapevine, but that's the only phrase I've ever heard. Um, to the best of my knowledge, it started somewhere in the 60s with the original song and then flared up again in the 80s when the California Racing Company used it as a marketing ploy with the cute little claymation reasons. Everybody knows the song. Everybody knows the words to said song. Why? How do you mess it up? I mean, I can understand the author may have wanted to change it because it is overused and it could be a thing that you know the grammar check on whatever word processor didn't like it because it's programmed to know that phrase is overused and but (laughs) oh it annoyed me so much and i love that song and it, the misuse of the phrase pulled me out of the story because it was so wrong. I stopped for, stopped reading at that spot for a good half an hour while I ranted in my notes about it. I went and listened to the song. I went and watched like the California Raisin music videos. I looked up the lyrics. Specifically. Even though, you know, I was running them through my head. By memory. The phrase was wrong. Such well-known phrases. Don't, you don't need to change them. You know, unless you do feel that they're so overused, but change them enough that it doesn't irritate people. And I could just be one of those weird people that have weird irritations because this may not irritate other people. But it irritated me to no end. So, <clears throat> but in general, I've never heard it put, I heard it from the grapevine. I don't like it, obviously. <laughs> Um, another irritation I guess I'm just gonna call them Amber she used like I said she didn't use a lot of her magic or it just was not too relevant but sorry What she did do was continued to use her pre-made tonic tea mixtures. Like, after Melanie died, she didn't check her inventory to make sure nothing had, ingredients didn't go bad. Ingredients weren't tampered with. Um, measurements were right or not. She was so, it was hammered home so much that she was not the killer. No other precautions were taken. You know, somebody could have slipped into the store, tampered with her um, ingredients for the tea and she never would have known because she didn't check and she continued to hand out the little medicated tea bags. She had one for um, calming the nerves that she used on Melanie's mother. And, yes, she did hesitate before using. I mean, that hesitation was a quick, you know, you know, my teas have been acting up lately. Now, It wasn't even a thought that, you know, the tea was tampered with and that was what killed Melanie. No, it was just the teas haven't been working right. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and give this grieving mother something to calm her nerves. Okay. And she used it a couple of other times without checking. And she's she was sitting there making mental notes. Okay. So I need to dial this back or I need to dial that back. I'm like... The shit could have been tampered with and you don't know everybody else is everybody is different you're not tailor making these medications to that person so you there's a lot of overlapping issues that were not being addressed and again this is an issue that i think is unique to me because I watch a lot of Chinese dramas <clears throat> Excuse me. and specifically the um, period pieces involve the ancient forms of their medicine which from the drama visual standpoint because I don't actually know much about their medicine, but it looks like they're making roughly a tea with healing properties from ingredients that are supposed to help boost whatever's wrong with you and help your immune system fight it off. And that's basically what Amber's doing in the book. But the difference is amber just makes up a bunch of these basic little health remedies puts them on a shelf and then goes away the chinese dramas show the chinese doc the doctors um individually mixing and creating the potion remedy for each person so you know i have the experience with that and coming into this story having a character who doesn't care about her products is kind of annoying. Um... Oh! And, like, I get and understand that Melanie was trying to solve the murder and everything, but, um... At the point in the story, I just she had to sneak into the morgue. I was like, okay, sure, I get that. But if you don't want to be seen as a suspect, you don't want to go snooping around in the morgue. And guess what? She got caught by the sheriff. So she looked even more like a suspect, which, again, it was hammered home that Amber didn't do it, so we knew nothing, no bad consequences were going to happen. The sheriff gave her a very not-so-stern talking-to, and that was it. And later, the sheriff who, uh, you know, hates Amber, <laughs> decides to work with Amber to solve the case because the sheriff thinks she is psychic because she knows stuff about the murder that was not released to the public. Yep, again, um, she had this inner thought to herself that just really fell flat. She um the thought went something like Do you seriously do you think I'm psychic or something? I'm like, yes. You just had a conversation with the sheriff. He believes you are psychic. You agreed to work with the sheriff on the basis that you are psychic. That whole paragraph or two could have been cut because yes, we know the sheriff thinks she is psychic. (coughs) We know she's not psychic. But it Yeah, it was definitely not needed at all but it was there i maybe the author was trying to be funny you know because it is one of those (laughs) you think you seriously think i'm psychic moments you know um, i had issues okay so In general I gave it like three out of five stars because it was okay yes all the ranting and raving that I have done in the past like 45 minutes holy crap um, may seem like I didn't like it but it was okay like it had very few issues compared to some of the other things that I have read so it it was okay. Do I recommend it? Eh if you like the overly done crazy boring Hallmark Candace Cameron Bure, Lori Loughlin cozy murder mysteries, I think that is definitely up your alley. <laughs> um I am going to try a couple of different cozy murder mysteries to see if I like them better. And it's this book was just a flop for me, but I do not have any want to read the rest of the series. (coughs) Excuse me. Positively Poisonous by Melissa Aaron Jackson, 3 out of 5 stars. Maybe recommend, maybe not, depending on like who I'm talking to if I know they like that kind of stuff. And that's it. Have a good night.